0: Hello there, you're about to listen to an episode of Food and L Talk, Legacy Food and L Talks. You know, in 2023, Food and L Talks rebranded and relaunched as Changemakers, but all the episode we've recorded up to this point is still available for you to listen. I are just about to listen to one of them. Enjoy it. And don't forget, Food and L Talks is now Changemaker Podcast. Thank you. Welcome to a new episode of the Food and Health
1: Talks podcast, a show focused on educating and empowering people to create a healthier future through nutrition and wellness education. A show where you will find interviews with leading scientists making groundbreaking discoveries, innovators, and global food industry leaders. It is that show you do not want to miss with your host, Dr. Julia Oleanju.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Food and L Talks. I'm really excited to introduce to you our special guest, Dr. Sherry Zhang. She's a scientist and innovator, and she's here to talk about our passion for tackling obesity. She's leveraging technology and science to tackle the problem of obesity in our community. So welcome, Sherry, and we're so glad to have you here.
1: Thank you for having me, Julia.
0: It's a pleasure. So let's get started. I want to get to know you more and our audience are here get to learn more about you as well. So uh, tell us a bit about how your journey started and how you got into science to start with and eventually how you made it your passion to tackle the problem of obesity. Sure.
1: It's going to be a lot there. I try to make it you know, short and sweet and where did I start? I really started from being a curious kid. When I was a child, I always wanted to do uh, something along the line of um, finding out what's going on with life, you know, and later to be a scientific career to approach it. And I literally went from my bachelor's degree was in uh, microbiology mm-hmm. and and then all the way to study plants and animals and humans. so I cover the full spectrum. Mm-hmm. it was a really fun journey as a researcher. and then t- to to your introduction, I have been studying obesity and the metabolic syndrome, which is a kind of a Cicule include hypertension, dyslipidemia, central obesity, pre-diabetic status, as you know, that really affects one-third of our adults population in this country alone, and obesity and overweight affects two-thirds of our adults and, you know, 17, 18 million of our children. So it's definitely a epidemic, right, or pandemic in a way, because it's really spread out quickly. So I was studying that using the most state-of-art technologies in genomics. And genomics, in a broader sense, I used, you know, sequencing, genotyping on the DNA level and also something called epigenomics, so beyond the DNA, really linking the genomic, uh, you know, type and with the environment through whether it's food, which is very important intervention, and cues and or exercise or stress or water, right? So you name it. So yeah, as you can probably see, uh, I went through all these uh, different technologies and and different approaches to address the one question is um, how, what's going on in our body that, you know, position us to have different outcomes when they even you know, eat the same food, right? And then some people will develop chronic diseases. Some people don't. You know, we call the blessed genes versus cursed genes, and 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 anything between. So I was, you know, really happily studying all that and in my academic background. And then uh, years later, I I uh, realized I need to really kind of come out out of my uh, comfort zone, which is my laboratory, my research center, academic se- setting, which is really, f- you know, fulfilling. But instead, I think I would like to create a new uh, way of delivering the knowledge, the evidence-based insights directly to everybody's use, my use, my family, yours, and everybody else. So that's kind of the... Uh, mm-hmm. I hope that it has oh. a lot of
0: crap in two, one, two minutes. And- right, right. It, it does uh, It does help uh, to understand where you're coming from, that you've had several years of experience in research and you saw something substantial and you felt you could take this and help people innovate and help people um, live their lives. Now, I want to go back a little bit to something you mentioned earlier on. Uh, we talked about the environmental component, because of course, when you are predisposed to something or you have a genetic predisposition to something, there's very little you can do about the genetic makeup, but we can change the environment. And that's where food comes in, exercise comes in, all those lifestyle changes people can make comes in. So I want us to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk about how people can help themselves, how they can help themselves um, live healthier and stronger life, regardless of what their genetic predisposition is, what they can do every day and why it matters. Why does food, what does food, what the choices you make on a day-to-day basis, why does it matter? Why does exercise and, and uh, fitness, uh, maintaining a good fitness level matter? So I want us to talk a little bit about that. And I would like to see your, hear your perspective on that, on, on, on those two elements of day-to-day living.
1: Yeah, sure. So if you look at a person's house in a kind of a pie, uh, you know, situation, so it's uh, the uh, people call it a house pie or a an, an, an house model or whatnot, the determinants of health of you, 30 percent of it is determined by genetic factor, mm-hmm. as we know, and 9, 10 percent is determined by our health system, mm-hmm. right? which we kind of want to change the the the, the whole situation by transitioning from health uh, sick care to a health care system. Mm. And and to your point, the of the pie 40% of it is actually determined by behavior. Mm. So it should be no brainer to, to everybody, but also that's really scientifically, you know, uh, proven. The the beauty of, you know, a lot of this can be influenced by the, your knowledge and your genetic background is that it's always a a interplay between your genes and your environment, right? So it's really your, I always say, everything you you eat and drink that ingest in your body that matters that's literally a dose of medicine if you may and we talk about food as medicine all right. the time now which is fantastic topic food is probably the most uh interventional and it's most frequently ingested medicine if you may that we can everybody have to take yeah. that's a great opportunity in a way and anything you ingest in your body Will influence your kind of a baseline of your of your metabolism mm-hmm. and body composition, right? And then the insulin responsiveness and you name it. So I always kind of treat everything I I eat or you know drink as that's my medicine. How does that uh, affect my existing kind of uh, foundation of physiological expression of my genes? Mm-hmm. And then um, be more, inf- I think that the, what my company Genopilot today is doing is trying to uh, curate all the fantastic line of knowledge that scientists and researchers and um, are every day trying to enrich for the public use. And then channel that in a very scientific way so that every uh, user of our app can benefit from using that information for their daily use Mm. to direct better outcomes Mm. through their behaviors. behaviors.
0: Mm.
1: Does Mm. that answer your initial questions?
0: Sure, it's very helpful. One of the key things that I want to also accomplish with this question is that, assuming someone is listening, uh, they don't really have much scientific knowledge, they're just regular day-to-day consumer, and they're thinking, well, you know what? What I hit does not really matter so far. I am healthy enough to move around. I have energy to do what I need to do every day and all of that. I uh, want to help them or get get an informed perspective on that. That oh no, what I hit does matter, and uh, you you really tackled that. And also, um, you know, having an understanding of how it matters, having an understanding of how. Moving around as much as possible every day helps your health outcomes, and how the choices you make every day help your health outcomes is also um, very, very crucial. So that was why I actually asked that question. So one of the things I want us to move on to is talk about your company and what you do. You, you talked briefly about it in answering that question just now, but if a, a consumer comes to you today, what would what would you do to help them?
1: Yeah, thank you. So. So I found that this platform is a data-driven personalized nutrition solution company, where to your point, every uh, consumer like um, yourself or myself go to, it's an e-commerce, right? You go to Genopala.com. you will see some choices where to help you make some selection of the uh, onboarding experiences. Whether you have your existing genetic testing done with other platforms, the famous ones we uh, handle, and including 23andMe or Ancestry.com, there's a lots and lots of people have done those tests. There are also more people in this country, 90% hasn't done those uh, tests. So we offer our own lab journey. So you can uh, order your test, which is uh, non-invasive, saliva-based Mm -hmm. Swap test, we'll ship it to your designated address, and then you do the test and follow in very simple uh, directions, Mm -hmm. and then drop it in the mail, and then days later, our lab will receive it. And at the lab, the magic really happens, right? We interrogate your entire well characterized, we call genotypes of your genome. So genome is about three point two billion letters. Mm-hmm. We have a way to sift through all these letters and pick, cherry pick the ones that really matter for, you know, your health, your disease and risks, and for nutrition. We focus, genopilot focuses on nutrition aspect of your genome. Mm-hmm. This is a science behind it. It's called the nutrigenomics, mm-hmm. right? And then. And then we apply the evidence-based research insights to your specific, everybody has a unique pattern, obviously, out of the nutrigenomic um, patterning we're going to profile, and then align that with what kind of a macronutrient benefits you most, what kind of a micronutrients, right, zinc, vitamins, and so on, what kind of uh, substances you can metabolize faster or slower. For me, for example, I'm a slow mo- uh, caffeine metabolizer. Okay. So I need to really limit my uh, cups of coffees or teas during the day. Mm-hmm. Obviously after 4 p.m. if you wanna sleep, <laughs> before <laughs> that you shouldn't take any caffeine and I think everybody knows that. And But for me, it's gonna really have a granular view of um, that limitation. Mm-hmm. But I still want some energy, so I, you know, I work with that. And then, uh, if I don't, there's also health benefit of limiting that based on your capacity of metabolism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In this case, it's caffeine because we know that if a person cannot really, really pump all the caffeine in the body out efficiently, mm-hmm. as other bodies do, and they will put a more pressure on their heart system, right? Mm -hmm. Hypertension may come over time. Mm -hmm. So I have all these nuanced insights I can apply right away to my daily life. So we'll deal with substances such as caffeine and alcohol. We also have sensitivities insights for lactose and gluten. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm gluten insensitive, so I can eat all the weeds I want, but I'm also lactose Intolerant. Oh, wow. okay. That makes a lot of sense from my Asian ancestry. My ancestors have evolved their nutrition genomics along that gen- genetic locus mm. for lactose. To actually, we keep the original, we call it wild type mm. uh, genotype okay. because we were never exposed to cattle farming, right? Totally. Mm. But other places like, you know, um, Northern European, Eastern Africa, Middle eastern regions independently developed those mutations mm. about 3,000 years into cattle farming. Uh, it's really amazing that just independently pop those up because those mutations will put those individuals in, in a very advantageous position mm. because there's a 70% more of the calories in milk when you can digest lactose all the time. We all can process milk when we were babies, but we lose that because the gene is gonna turn off because our machinery is a very like a, like an energy efficiency system. When we don't use that gene, we turn it off and we use the energy to turn something else on, right? So it's an amazing setup. I hope I'm not boring you with my nerdy signs here. No, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, so th- That's really what we're trying to use the evidence-based insights from scientific research, whether at Genopala and elsewhere, to inform our customers to drive better food decisions and food behavior for health outcomes.
0: Thank you for sharing that. So you don't specifically work on like uh, specific illnesses or working with um, doctor's prescription or anything like that, it's pretty much helping people understand themselves better and make informed food choices. Is that That's right? right. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then also going back to your point on how you collect data, you collect um, genetic information from them, you analyze the genetic information, and then based on what you find in their, um, in their genome and genomic analysis, you make, um, you make suggestions to them. Do you work with dietitians to do that, or you just, uh, or you refer them to dietitians to an, analyze um, analyze the results you've provided and make recommendations? So how does that play out?
1: Sure, that's a great question. We have in-house registered dietitians on staff and providing all those recommendations, mm. right, based on their standard and certified and credentials, whatnot. So uh, patients or consumers can also take our, you know, um, insights from the RD and to their physicians or RDs as a as a reference for better tailoring and more customized or personalized nutrition plan for whatever their goals are. Um, so that's how already really nutritional science plays. Oh, that's,
0: that's great. So you consider genomic um, data and uh, you make recommendations. Do you consider microbiome at all or? Or does, how does that come in or does that come in?
1: Yeah, Um, right now we do not. Okay. And there's a reason for that in terms of how applicable based on our evaluation to our consumers base that this can make impact in their personalized nutrition life. Mm. But we, the, we know research has been fast forwarding with microbiome and insights for health. The research has been really growing fast and very compelling. So when we think it's going to make impact for everyday people's lives in nutrition, I would definitely will consider incorporating that.
0: Okay. I know know science is progressive. It's a step at a time. So it's a lot of new information coming out from um, that field microbiome. It's still emerging. And when things are a better, um, established, you will be able to integrate more. That's great. It's really great to learn about what you do. Uh, Before we um, wrap things up, I want to ask you one or two questions uh, just for everyday consumers out there listening to this episode and they're thinking, you know, I really want to, um, improve my health. I want to optimize my health. I want to pay more attention to, um, what I eat. I want us to just um, go back to that conversation on food and health and why it's import, important for people to make great food choices on a day-to-day basis we talked briefly about uh, epigenomic effect of the environment um, on people's health you know so for instance people that are predisposed to a particular disease for uh for, for example and you talked during your when you were talking about your company just now, you talked about turning off and turning on of genes. And, and that's something epigenomic effect has sometimes when you, let's say you have a methylation of a particular gene, and then you have turning off or silencing of the gene and things like that. And there are most studies coming out showing that there's specific food types that interact with the genome in a way that it can have that effect. On, on people and, and why, why on, on the, have that effect on genes? By that, I mean turning off, silencing genes. So that's kind of like going into too much details that I want to, but um, on a general level, why should we care about what we eat in terms of our health? Uh, I just want to talk about that a little bit or get a perspective. I, I want at least also to get a perspective on it, that this is important because we know it can affect Uh, people in a particular way sure
1: Uh, it's a big topic i'll try my best um i always think of life can be pretty arbitrary but i think people will agree in you know we can break it down into three chapters one chapter is your past Mm -hmm. and that's your ancestry right and heritage culture you're born with right born into this life with and then the second one is your current is today and it's kind of coming um, with your history and it have your today's mood and you know how happy you are how healthy you are and how strong you are and so on and then that the whole thing will obviously position you while well or less well for your tomorrow that's your future right so just think about that way a little bit with me the we kind of read your ancestry or using genomic technology which is it's it's a powerful tool to really tap into something static mm-hmm. it's that's why people forensics use dna to ID, ID, identify people right in it's the best identity and you can have in terms of food as and medicine you can think about there is almost a nutritional identity of each person, right? You versus me, we're very unique, we're similar, but very unique in essence. And then you brought this all the past, your hopefully not a baggage <laughs> into your today's situation. So what we are trying, not just, you know, pilot, I really hope there's a more and more of our, the solutions or the providers to, to tap into this and help people is to really finally understand your, your foundation, right? Your baseline, whether it's your microbiome, that's your, your human genomics, your biochemistry, your family history, whatnot. And then really build out a plan to predict if you eat, this kind of food in this way, and including beverage or whatnot, if you exercise or don't exercise, and in this way or not, what kind, and this is just a short list of a long list, and what kind of outcomes we can predict for you, for your tomorrow, right? And obviously, I'm assuming everybody wants to be successful in life, want to live a, a long life aging elegantly, right? So those are how really we can you know, apply those in your tools or technologies and put those into your hands to help you to empower yourself for a better future. So I hope this is more on the philosophical level, but I hope that it gives you that, that overall
0: picture. Sure. See? And it points out that um, you, I mean, by you, I mean, we as individuals can do something to help ourselves. You know, um, of course, um, by leveraging technology and scientific expertise, people can learn more and do it more accurately. But bottom line is the choices we make every day matters. We have the past that we can change, which is what we inherited from from our parents. But we can shape tomorrow by making good choices today.
1: That's well said.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so, so much for your uh, time and just sharing your knowledge with us. It's so, so, uh, so nice to uh speak with you today and learn more i'm really excited that dr zhang has joined us today i hope you've enjoyed our talk together with her and we look forward to our next episode of food on talk where we come with another innovator that will share their expertise with you thank you again for joining us and uh, we'll connect with you soon
1: Thank you for joining us for another session of Food and Health Talks. We invite you to subscribe to this channel, share this with your friends and colleagues, and don't forget to leave a review
0: for us. Together, we are joining hands to shape a healthier future of food.